the GameCube, GameCube was cool. Hosted by Mike Lane and Neil Gilbert. Mike, I think it's time that we changed our uh, th- the way that this podcast is going. I think we should switch over to an ASMR video. Can you can you just let the listeners hear the sound of you eating? Let, let's go with the peas first. Oh, the peas. Okay, uh, snow peas to be exact. Snow peas. Yeah. Mm. Mm. That's some high quality ASMR. There. Let's just for the next hour. Let's go with that. That's right. I think that's a good idea. Imagine how pissed off people would be if we just, I mean, if we would just drop off listeners or we get more, who knows? Well, I feel like if I was like in a car listening to us, you know, hearing someone eat snow peas, I think I would, I'd be like, okay, that's, that's, that's content. Do people listen to ASMR <laughs> while driving? I don't know. <laughs> I'm, just I'm pretty sure it's for like here. when you're falling asleep. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think, I don't think you want to fall asleep at the wheel. I think ASMR is meant to calm you down and you don't want to be too calm while you're driving down the highway. Well, yeah, I guess I'm thinking if you're like driving on the 401, People mm-hmm. are cutting you off. Cutting you off. You're getting angry, sure. aggravated. Mm-hmm. You just hear me eating snow peas, and you're like, you know what? That's probably a really good snow pea right there. It's gonna calm you right down. I mean, it's just for American listeners, since they won't know what the 401 is. Uh, it's basically just a highway that runs east and west. That uh, if you're on it, the odds are you're not moving. Yeah, just like most of interstates in uh, in the states, like I ninety I ninety one. That's the one near Buffalo. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that one's always pretty crowded i think that's the one that we took into the what we went to cleveland that one time i think that's the yeah, highway yeah. rings a bell you got flipped off on that highway yeah that's right like immediately as we crossed over the border <laughs> someone like <laughs> we were hyped for, yeah we're like we're in america now and then like right away a dude in a pickup truck passed us and flipped us off <laughs> yeah i was only doing 65 miles instead of uh his 85 so <laughs> yeah well we had to switch over from kilometers to miles it took a few minutes to just switch our brains right. so thanks for that but hopefully he's listening right now i hope so apologize damn it yeah mike i need to talk to you about something real quick yeah. it was bothering me yesterday now i've been to a few households the last few months for various events functions and uh i think my family might be the crazy one but i need your opinion because one of those houses was yours when my family loads our dishwasher Typically, the forks and the spoons face down. Ooh, okay, yeah. See, I'm, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a face up because you how are. Is it gonna, how is it going to hit it? You know, how's the water well, going to hit the it? water? But, but the water comes from below, in a dishwasher. It comes from the bottom. Does it? I thought, it, yeah. I thought it comes. It, well, doesn't it come also from the sides? Like, is aren't there like the little spouts on the sides that the that maybe rinse? my dishwasher is just different than everybody. I've been to maybe three or four houses in the last few months, and I've watched, I've studied this uh, <laughs> just because I, the first house I went to, I was like, okay, that's weird. And then the second house I went to, they did the same thing where the uh, spoons and forks were facing down, sorry, up, mm-hmm. and I thought, okay, that's weird. And then I went to your place just this last weekend, and you guys do it too. And I thought, okay, I went home to my parents, and I was like, I think we're crazy. <laughs> Because knives face down, obviously, but in our dishwasher, you can see that the water sprays up. Right. I mean, we've never opened up the dishwasher <laughs> during a load, so who knows? But it looks like the water sprays up. So in that case, it makes sense. But my thought process is when you're emptying the cutlery uh, basket, you don't want to have to reach down to touch the uh, the handle. You you just have to, you know, the handles are already facing up. It makes it easier to unload. Right. Yeah, that's fair. I mean, I, I guess especially with forks, like almost stabbing yourself every time exactly i mean it makes sense with spoons but i mean still you have to like reach down to get the handle otherwise you're just picking everything up from the the face of the whatever you what do you what do you call the piece of cutlery that you the face, eat with the face would, yeah that's yeah 
yeah. The face. Yeah. Okay. The nose of the fork. You have to grab <laughs> it from the nose of the fork. But I don't know. I, I'm just – maybe listeners can let us know how they load the dishwasher because I'm starting to feel outnumbered in terms of how we load our dishwasher at home. Yeah. Uh, look for this week uh, after this episode airs. We will be putting out an Instagram poll. We want to hear mm. what you guys do because this seems to be uh, – this is a fight to the death right here. Of, of what is the correct way it's getting interesting because of the houses that i've been to the, i'm getting a little nervous about where we stand <laughs> in terms of normalcy so again i didn't know that people loaded their dishwasher that way until just a few months ago and now everyone seems to be loading their dishwasher that way so yeah it's not it's not like toilet paper rolls where there's a, a complete right and wrong if you if you have the toilet paper roll on like the the the, the other side you know what i mean like like when you when you take the like the paper. Yeah, it's not forward. Like the roll is not forward. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, those people are savages. Yeah, I don't know. I, I've done that once just because I loaded I was in a hurry or something and it that entire two or three days was just off. <laughs> it's completely wrong. It's just it's just completely wrong. Yeah. We're not gonna get into that. I'm t- I'm talking about cutlery only. Yeah, that's right. Mm-hmm. So, uh, Mike, it was a big week for us. Do you want to talk about, speaking of followers, we uh, we hit 5,000 downloads and 500 followers this week. Yeah, yeah. I'd like to congratulate ourselves for hitting that that momentous occasion. Uh, we, we said that we were hoping to hit it around Halloween, and we did that, so we're really proud to be able to say that mm-hmm. we have 5,000 downloads and 500 followers on Instagram. So thank you. And obviously thank everyone uh, for supporting us over these, I guess, almost six months now. Uh, just mm-hmm. making this podcast the best podcast on the internet. That's what uh, Neil likes to say. Yep, the best GameCube podcast on the internet. Yep. Thank you. Right. Yep. I I am not mean. I do not mean to make that mistake. <laughs> I want you to know that it's like it's completely wrong. But yeah. Um. But yeah. No. It's been. It's. Uh, I'm. I'm really excited to say that we got into that point, and uh, we'll see everyone at ten thousand. Yeah, that'll be the next time we probably talk about this. It'll be ten thousand, and then maybe twenty five thousand after that. You won't hear from us every very frequently remember when we did the first one was 500 downloads i think that was when we were like holy crap that was huge getting oh i, I remember the first episode we had like 22 downloads that week i think and you yeah. got very yeah, excited right. <laughs> i was i was like wow more than just you and i listened to yeah. it cool <laughs> we also have some pretty nice comments on instagram this week did, did you want to read a few of those or i have a couple here if you don't have them uh, yeah, go for it. You, you, I don't have them okay. up, so you, you read them. Okay, cool. So on Instagram this week, we got. Uh, I have two here. We also have one somewhat negative comment. We'll get to that in a minute. So, so the first one we have here is from Mike. I'm not going to do any last names. It wasn't you, Mike. Just so you know. Damn it. Mm-hmm. You can comment though if you want. I'll read it. He said, "Mike says, hey man, the podcast is awesome. I can relate to all the episodes, especially the gaming on the road one. Keep up the good work." Thanks, Mike. Thanks, Mike. Yeah, thank you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, cool. And then we also got one from, uh, I believe it's Jose. Uh, the last name was mixed in, so I couldn't tell where the first name ended and the last <laughs> name began. So I'm just going to go with that. Sorry if I uh, mispronounced your name. Just started a month ago. Favorite podcast coming from San Antonio, Texas. That's like Blue October. Yeah. What, what, what a man. from Texas. Yeah, I hope he hears our Blue October episode. That's right. I'm calling it the Blue October episode. <laughs> Which episode was that when we were talking about that? Was that, uh, mm. I can't remember now. Episode 22 or Doesn't something. matter. Yeah, something like that. Okay. Uh, and then we got one negative comment somewhat. Now, when we try to promote our podcast, we put it out. We put out messages on uh, Reddit just to see if we can get a few listeners there. Uh, just a quick like, hey, we made a GameCube podcast. Check it out. You might like it. We put one out on a Scooby-Doo thread a few weeks ago for the Scooby-Doo episode. And uh, one person commented, I'm not going to say his name. He said, am I the only one sick and tired of these people coming on our subreddit and trying to sell us stuff? Yeah, we get it. You want cash, but this is our childhood. What? <laughs> Firstly, sir, we do not want cash. 
Uh, I'll accept it though if you want to send us. <laughs> I think I, I mean I guess other people have been doing this a lot, mm-hmm. but like, yeah, that's come on. Any Scooby Doo love yeah. is good love. So. Exactly, and someone did actually come to our support and say, yes. you know, hey, I think that they're just. I, I should have gotten their quote too, but they just said, hey, I, th- I think they're just making a Scooby Doo podcast. This <laughs> yeah. seems fine. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, they're actually giving this thing love. Yeah, like we're not malicious on the post we're not like hey check out our podcast and subscribe to our patreon like i i mean i try and make them as open as possible just to say hey like you know mike and i were very passionate about metroid or scooby-doo and and we started a podcast a few months ago if you want to check us out here's a link if not totally cool Mm -hmm. if you're a new listener this episode just so you know our podcast is totally free we don't have a patreon or anything like that we also have no ads in our in our episodes we have nothing to sell you so we're not asking for any money all we really ask for is reviews ratings and if you could share us with your friends right now but yeah we have no way of making money on this podcast we're losing money on this podcast (laughs) anyway that's that's all the uh, comments i have from this week Uh, but some positive ones and one funny negative one i was gonna say and i do have one sad comment just want to take a Uh second to to say uh r.i.p alex trebek canadian icon uh i think everyone's Mm -hmm. like everyone kind of grew up with him in in a sense as well uh just Mm -hmm. seeing him you know throughout jeopardy's history and uh kind of the the stalwart of uh of quiz shows so yeah Mm -hmm. just a great guy great guy yeah just my parents were just talking to me about this that for a solid 10 years when they were first married they watched jeopardy every night yeah uh in the in the 80s like that was a thing you came home from work and you watched a game show this was before you could stream netflix or disney plus and he's just one of those it's it's like him and um who else would the, who else would you put Pat in that Sajak, category? Jack, um yeah uh, bob barker B- bob barker yeah the price is right I mean, there aren't too many game shows anymore that have lasted as long as something like Jeopardy. No. Like we had maybe – I can think of like Deal or No Deal being really popular for a short time, but that quickly fizzled out. It's just sad to see these hosts dying out now. It's it's really too bad. Yeah, I was, I was reading um, I was reading some stuff like about him. He recently put out a memoir too, which I, I really want to pick up now. And yeah. uh, he was basically talking about like in the 2000s, uh, early 2000s, late 90s, Jeopardy had a lot of competition. Uh, they were mm-hmm. by far like the biggest show at the time, uh, but uh, for quiz shows, but they had big competition like Who Wants to Be a Millionaire? You Are the Weakest Link? Mm-hmm. Are You Smarter Than a Fifth Grader? Right, Fear Factor. Yeah, <laughs> 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 a lot of these, a lot of these quiz shows specifically do- designed to uh, battle Jeopardy um, mm-hmm. were made uh, at that time, and none of them uh, were able to last as long as Jeopardy and have that lasting impact. So no, is Who Wants to Be a Millionaire still on though? It, it is. It, it kind of comes mm-hmm. and goes, you know. Okay. Uh, so I think like they, I mean, the only, the real host is Regis. Like, you know, you can't, right. it, I, I know who it is now, but Regis is, is king for that. Yeah. The host makes the game show yeah. and that's what, that, everybody remembers the game show from the original host or the most popular one. Like Alex Trebek is not the original host, but he's, he's who you know. Well, he's technically the originally, uh, original host because Je- Jeopardy's a reboot. Uh, it was a 60s oh, show. Okay. Um, and then it got rebooted in 84 by Merv Griffin, uh, who chose <laughs> Alex Trebek to, uh, to do it. a lot was based on um, he did that based on the fact that Alex Trebek hosted Reach for the Top on CBC, the Canada's broadcaster, oh, okay. for ten years. That's an int- there's so much interesting history around game shows on TV because it is just this generation of people. Most of it now are boomers who probably watch game shows and people who are retired because it's mainly on uh, daytime slots. But mm-hmm. it's too bad that they can't somehow put all the game show episodes on something on like a Netflix or an Amazon. Well, Prime. I was going to say, I watch Jeopardy on, on Netflix all the time. It's on, it's on Netflix. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, well I'm an idiot. <laughs> I should be watching this. Yeah. It's got, know that. it's gotten, I'm, and I'm sure it's going to be Netflix's top 10 this week, but uh, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I watch Jeopardy episodes mm. all the time on Netflix, just either in the background or like see how I can do against people. Um, oh yeah, yeah. cool. 
Well, I'm going to go and check it out now. Now that I said I have to, I feel like I should. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> I'm Mike, you got me a very great uh, book for my birthday a few weeks back. I just wanted to say thank you so much on the air for this amazing gift. Mike got me the GameCube Anthology, which is a book. Um, let's see. I got it right here. It is published by Geeksline. It's written by Mathieu Maintenant. I think he's French, I'm guessing. I say it in a French accent because it sounds very French. <laughs> but basically, this is the this is the new Bible of the GameCube is Cool podcast, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, <laughs> Throw it any other book you have. This is it. You only need one book in your life. <laughs> this is the only book. If I get rid of all my books, I'll hang on to the GameCube anthology. It's fantastic. <laughs> it's basically, if anybody's looking for a book with tons of information on the GameCube, it's got a little uh, blurb on every single game. Some games obviously have a full page, something like Metroid Prime. But it also has the first 83 pages of the book are an informative deep dive into the history of the GameCube and the life cycle of it, just to recapture all those key moments in its history, like when they announced that they're going back to basics, and it even uh, it even catalogs all of the bundles and weird peripherals that the GameCube had. It's just a fantastic package for any fan of the GameCube out there. Mm-hmm. I, re- I highly recommend everybody pick it up. It's available on Amazon. Uh, there's also, I'm sure, other sites. I believe it's published in uh, it's published in North America, EU, and uh, Japan. They also publish Geeks Line. They also publish similar books in the style of the GameCube anthology. They also have an SNES book and a PlayStation One book. If you're interested in those as well, mm-hmm. yeah. But Mike, thank you so much for my birthday gift. I absolutely love it. <laughs> no problem. I will definitely be stealing it. <laughs> okay. Well, you're welcome to it. Any you, you, I mean, you take my games too. So. <laughs> One more opening segment we have before we get started. Mike, did you want to talk about the Nintendo quarterly report real quick? Yeah, crazy. I don't know if people saw, mm-hmm. but uh, Nintendo's still going really strong with the Switch. 68 million sold. Mm-hmm. That's past the NES to make it the second best-selling home console. Animal Crossing still really close to Mario Kart. I think 26 million for Animal Crossing, 29 million yep. for Mario Kart. So it's uh, mm-hmm. it's going to be interesting how the holiday season goes with Nintendo, but yeah, just a quick kind of update saying Nintendo is doing well with all those GameCube sales. All those GameCube, yeah, it's weird how (laughs) 20 years later, they finally made it out. (laughs) No, this is only the Switch, and Mike is right. They sold about 7 million Switches this quarter, which is not bad. There weren't a ton of AAA games that came out this quarter. There was Paper Mario and the Origami King. And Mario 3D All-Stars. Pikmin 3 doesn't count in that. Sorry, um, uh, could you could you say the proper title? I, I just, I just, you know, I'm a stickler for these things. Uh, Super Mario 3D All-Stars as willed into existence by the GameCube was Cool Podcast. Yes, thank you. Sorry. Uh, you yeah, know, okay, I just, no problem. I, I just like, I, I need to hear the full thing. Our lawyers also need us to say the full <laughs> thing, so that makes total sense. <laughs> But yeah, no, totally. It's a sweet, uh, sweet update. 68 million switches. That is not a small amount of consoles out there. Just a reminder, the GameCube sold 22 million units and the Wii, which is the most successful Nintendo home console, sold an astounding 101.6 million units. Mm -hmm. So it's getting up there in Wii sales. Mike, do you think it'll catch up to the Wii now? I I think if Amazon keeps doing things like having people buy Mario Kart Wii, (laughs) when things come up, anything's possible. So uh, Mm -hmm. it'll need at least a big game, though, to to propel it there. It'll need another Animal Crossing. It'll need another killer app, and I think it needs something new. I know Animal Crossing, like you said, is doing fantastic with 26 million, Mario Kart 8 at 29. We also have Super Smash Bros. Ultimate with 21 million, Zelda at 19.7 million, and then Pokemon Sword and Shield at 19 million again. Those are not small numbers for an exclusive title, but I think Nintendo, like what they did with the Wii, with like Wii Fit and Wii Sports and the Game Boy with Pokemon, I think the the Switch needs some new app that uh, 
that really pushes it over the edge to sell that additional 33 million units to make it catch up with the Wii. But we will see. Only time will tell. We will see. We will see. And until then, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to episode 26 of the GameCube is Cool podcast. We have new episodes every Thursday on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and YouTube. Uh, We're on all the other podcast services as well. Please rate the show. Leave us reviews, positive or negative. We will read them on this podcast. Follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. We are at the GameCube pod. If you run a recognized media outlet, please write an article about us so we can become legit and we can get ourselves a Wikipedia page. We are the number one GameCube podcast on the internet. We are here to look back on all 555 North American GameCube games, one by one, sometimes 12 by 12. Last week, we covered Metroid Prime and a little on Metroid in general. Go back and check it out if you haven't already. It's a fantastic episode. This week, we are covering the three Spider-Man games on the Nintendo GameCube. Spider-Man 1, Spider-Man 2, and Ultimate Spider-Man on the Nintendo GameCube. Nice. Thank you. Yeah, no, uh, let's let's dive in. I mean, I, you know what I want to do first, though, is I would mm-hmm. like to just talk about Spider-Man as a whole and the reason let's why these games kind of exist. I did a lot of research into... Um, some of the older Spider-Man games, and uh, I think I think there's about 30 games in total. Yes, Mike, there are 38 dedicated Spider-Man games across more than 15 video game consoles, plus all the computers. Uh, I'm not counting games that Spider-Man appears in. No, like, no, Obviously, no. there's Ult- Ultimate Alliance. Um, there's Disney Infinity. I think he's in those games. Yeah, he's yeah. also in Tony Hawk. Don't forget. Yes, of course. <laughs> of course, the sentimental Spider-Man game, Tony Hawk Pro Skater. But uh, no, we're counting like the games that have Spider-Man in the title. There's 38. Yeah, and and I mean TLDR here. Uh, most of these games are bad. Uh, Spider-Man games yes. are not traditionally good games. It took them a long time to really even get to the level that we're at in in the GameCube era, and then kind of took another break uh, in terms of bad games and uh, are back to kind of where they should be with uh, the Insomniac. Uh, Spider-Man and the new Miles Morales. Yeah, by the way, we're doing this episode because the Miles Morales uh, Spider-Man is releasing uh, this week. With the PlayStation 5, that's correct. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But yeah, so I think people forget that Spider-Man is a pretty new superhero. Uh, He was created in the 60s kind of as a specific hero to target, you know, urban youth. Uh, that's what uh, Stan Lee and uh, what's who's the other guy who made Spider-Man? I, I don't know. Okay. I'm not a comic book nerd. Well, <laughs> I should We should preface that up front by saying I am not so much a comic book nerd. Mike, you read a little bit more comics than me, but not by much. I'm more of a Batman comic fan. See, I personally. read Spider-Man comics as a kid in the library all the time, in the, in the school library. Uh, I don't know oh. if you remember, Neil, and I don't know if people out here have had these experiences, but kids would, would get library time. Uh, mm-hmm. and you would go to the library, like to the, in like some schools would have their own libraries, you know, usually pretty small and you would go and you mm-hmm. would pick a book and you would basically just read it and, and do whatever. Uh, and I used to always, uh, uh take a, uh, the biggest book I could find and then I would find the comics or how like sneak <laughs> comics in and I would read them behind the book. In a oh, very, like, you're one of those kids. Yeah, in a very okay, te- yeah, like yeah. I know that's like a like like a... TJ Detweiler from Recess. <laughs> yeah, I was yeah. about to say that. <laughs> a very TJ move, but yeah, Spider Man were the only comics that the school had that at least I could find, and so I read a lot of Spider Man comics, and uh, I think I, cool. I really identified with Spider Man as someone who can also swing uh, from buildings. Oh. Okay, and you take good pictures of yourself too. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, anyways, so Spider-Man uh, in the 70s had really become a successful franchise. There's that classic 60s Spider-Man um, Oof, that is yes. always memed. Spider-Man was kind of in everything. Marvel was licensing him everywhere. And in the 80s, he was one of the first uh, superheroes to get licensed games. Mm-hmm. Parker Brothers uh, made the Atari 2600 game. 
uh, just titled uh, Spider-Man. And, that was uh, the first Spider-Man video game. Was 1982's yeah. Atari 2600 Spider-Man? Yeah, and it was actually a pretty cool game. You you know you're climbing skyscrapers, capturing criminals, defusing bombs set by Green Goblin, and two players could play it. And you know most of the, these games, I'm gonna like I'm not saying all the games obviously, just sugarcoating it here. Most of these games were made for arcades. Uh, they never really got the home mm-hmm. console uh, uh, like. Th- Formula, right, I guess you could say. Mm-hmm. But in the 90s, um, comics enjoyed a pretty big boom, especially in the early 90s, uh, as well as the 1994 Spider-Man uh, animated series, which I think you and I both love. Yep, I watched that one. I'm more of a, I watched the 60s Spider-Man show, the one that you referenced earlier as a mm-hmm. meme show. I watched that a lot. Yeah, yes, I, I watched that too. It, it was on around the time Scooby-Doo was on. <laughs> it's a good show. It's really fun. It is very yeah. Scooby-Doo-esque too, that, uh, that yeah, Spider-Man absolutely. 60s one. Mm-hmm. The 90s saw the boom too with comics because of Todd McFarlane. Of course, he started, that's when he started uh, drawing for Spider-Man, right? That's when right. He invented like. Yeah, created like Venom and Carnage and all those great characters that we love now. Yeah, you kind of get a, got a different side of Spider-Man in the 90s. Uh, and But again, a lot of the games here weren't great. You know, they didn't do too well and they were, uh, were mostly just beat-em-ups. It was hard to make Spider-Man actually swing anywhere. That was the... The difficulty of the graphics and the console capabilities. Um, Maximum Carnage may be the lone exception here in terms of a very good game uh, that was released. Yeah, the 90s Spider-Man era, especially after the NES, there were a few NES Spider-Man games as well, which yeah. I've seen gameplay for. They look very basic, yep. almost like clones of the Neversoft Batman game, which is fantastic on the NES. But yeah, I played Maximum Carnage and the sequel, Separation Anxiety, on SNES when I was a kid and absolutely adored those games. But you're right, they're very... Easy. They're not easy. They're just they're beat 'em ups. Yeah, and they're still yeah. fun though. So, Those games are fun, and they look great too. They, they look they still look good today. If you want to pick them up, I highly recommend it. I picked up Maximum Carnage, I think last year, and I I popped it in and played it, and it looks fantastic. It's got the soundtrack is so iconic for my childhood <laughs> at least. I love. It. I think it's made by what's the band name? Green Slime, and it's got that red cartridge too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the Maximum Carnage cartridge is red, yeah. just like Doom. Yeah, those are two fantastic 90s games, the beat-em-ups. There's also Spider-Man arcade games, which I know that there's a lot of Spider-Man fans out there love. I'm not as big on arcade games, so I don't know which one it is. So, And then there was, of course, the PS1 Spider-Man game. That was created by Neversoft, who made Tony Hawk Pro Skater. Yeah, same engine. Also on N- yeah, same engine. Yeah. And it was also on... Uh, uh, N64, which is where I played it. Yeah. But yeah, yeah, throughout the late 90s and actually really into the early 2000s, Marvel was, you know, really doing badly in terms of uh, their their money coming in. Uh, they were filing for bankruptcy and they kind of had to start licensing its characters for major film adaptations, uh, which is why mm-hmm. they sold uh, Spider-Man's rights to Sony uh, mm-hmm. in, in the early 2000s and then sold his rights to Activision as well for uh, developing video games with and so that kind of had to Marvel was kind of forced to do that because they were bankrupt and eventually got bought by Disney in I think 2005. Yes, that sounds about right. I mean, Spider-Man's licensing uh, who owns him is still in 2020 <laughs> still just such a mystery for everyone. Sorry, Sony owns the movie rights to Spider-Man, yep. but the video game rights are still owned by like just because uh, Spider-Man is on the Sony console with the PlayStation 4, now the PlayStation 5. He also is on Nintendo Switch and Marvel Ultimate Alliance, and he's in that new Avengers game. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, the video game rights to Spider-Man are a little bit more loose, but yeah, the movie rights are strictly Sony. Like, with the Spider-Man Homecoming and Spider-Man Far From Home, even though Disney characters like Iron Man are in those movies, I think Sony still sees pretty much all the profits from those movies, and they made money by letting him be in the Avengers Endgame and Infinity War. Yeah. Also, uh, Sony owns X-Men, 
as well, which is, uh, or I'm not sure if they still do, but at the time, Sony owned X-Men. Okay. They don't anymore because they were owned by Fox That's right. with those movies. And then now Disney owns Fox, yeah. so they own the Fantastic Four and the Hulk. I think, no, Hulk is owned by Universal still. Yeah. It's all. A- <laughs> but yeah, basically, <laughs> basically, as you can see, Marvel had to sell off a lot of their licenses in the Yes, thank you. That is the main back. message. <laughs> and, and it just, and that's the reason why you see X-Men characters in a lot of Spider-Man video games, which, I mean... That kind of makes sense. We'll be we'll be talking about that uh, in Ultimate Spider-Man, but yes. um, yeah, and, and kind of a fun fact too. So Activision, obviously, uh, that's kind of where we come in here. Uh, Activision's contract for making these game games ended on January 2014 when the license expired, mm-hmm. and so now Activision does not make any Spider-Man games. Uh, and funny enough, the, any of these games that Activision made cannot be bought digitally anywhere. Uh, right. And they were completely taken off by any digital storefronts anywhere you could find, uh, which uh, actually made some of these games go up in price and like the, for the physical games, at least. But uh, yeah, kind of a, a, a Disney move there. Just wipe it clean and say, nope, doesn't exist. That's probably not a bad idea because I mean, like a lot of, like you said, a lot of these Spider-Man games are not good. Mm-hmm. And the, like there's the ones in the, PlayStation 3, Xbox 360 generation, like Web of Shadows, Shattered Dimensions. There were, I think, three games in that era. Yeah, you're right. Those games are very expensive now. If you see them at a video game store, they usually go for at least $30 to $40 a piece, which is expensive for a Spider-Man game. And that might not even be very good. And yeah, if you wanted to pick up the games we're going to be talking about today, they're luckily fairly affordable. We're going to get into the prices when we announce each game. But yeah, you can't play any of these games anywhere else on any of the current gen hardware. You have to hook up a PS2 or a GameCube to play, or I'm sure that there are emulators on PC to play them now. Mm -hmm. And of course, the Dolphin emulator. And I'm going to be talking about uh, Ultimate Spider-Man and its relationship Mm -hmm. with the Dolphin emulator. Yes. So you mentioned that the uh, Activision being the main, they're actually the publisher of the Spider-Man games. Sorry, That's okay. Yeah, no, the developer of the three games we're going to be talking about today was Treyarch. Mm -hmm. Now, Treyarch, just a little bit about them. They were founded in 1996. They're located in Santa Monica, um, and they were purchased by Activision in 2001 for $20 million, which is probably, pound for pound, one of the best video game acquisitions in history. And that would have been a Uh, lot of money at that time to buy a, a, a video game developer for $20 million. Um, a relatively unknown, I guess, video uh, game developer like Treyarch at the time. Because 1996 to 2001 is only five years in dev time. That's only enough time back then to maybe put out five games. Mm -hmm. They acquired Treyarch to develop Spider-Man games at first, but later on they switched them over to make Call of Duty games, which paid that $20 million back in just (laughs) gold. So just... (laughs) Just to put it, so Treyarch don't develop every Call of Duty game, but they developed World at War in 2008, which sold 17 million units. And then they, they also developed the Black Ops series. So Black Ops 1 through 3 have sold 87 million units. And wow. then Black Ops Black Ops 4, which is, the numbers aren't totally clear on Black Ops 4 yet, but just in the first three days, that game made $500 million. That's absolutely nuts. Yeah, so for $20 million, they made their money back real quick with Black Ops games. (laughs) And then Black Ops 5 at the time of recording is not out yet, but that will be out this holiday season, I think. Um, Their first major game, I I guess, their first major game was Olympic Hockey in 98 on the N64. So they've come a long way. But yeah, so let's get into the Spider-Man games for today. Let's do it. Spider-Man uh, right. 1. I guess Spider-Man the movie, actually, technically. Was released on April 15th, 2002, developed by Treyarch, published by Activision. This game is on PlayStation 2, Xbox, Game Boy Advance, and PC. The GameCube anthology book gives this game a 4 out of 5 stars, and it is priced at $10 if you wanted to pick it up on GameCube. It's very cheap. Yeah. 
but this game was not uh, not a dud by any means. Uh, across all the platforms, uh, PS2, Xbox, and GameCube, the game sold six million units in North America alone. Hmm. So a not a bad first, not a bad first attempt at a Spider-Man game on the sixth generation hardware. This was probably the first good movie adaptation game on the GameCube. I'm gonna say. Yeah, this coming out. I mean, obviously, relatively soon after the GameCube was released uh, yeah i i would say it's the first good one i mean we'll be talking about movie tie-ins in a couple of weeks but mm-hmm. yeah no i played this game shortly after it came out i had a friend in grade school who got this game for his birthday and i was lucky enough to go over to his house right after the Jean party Mark? ended no it wasn't jean mark it was <laughs> daniel it was his name was daniel but uh he not daniel uh the friend that was on for the melee episode uh he got the game for his birthday and i was i think i was more excited than he was <laughs> Because I loved the Spider-Man, the first Spider-Man movie. Mm-hmm. When I saw that as a kid, we were, I think, eight years old, seeing that in theaters. And just seeing this game, the case looks beautiful. It's just a zoom in on Spider-Man's eye. This was nothing like I'd ever seen before. A game that let you swing just so high up above the buildings. And you were playing as Tobey Maguire, or Peter Parker. The game features the voice actors from the Spider-Man games. You have Tobey Maguire as Spider-Man, Willem Dafoe as Norman Osborn, and then Bruce Campbell. Uh, he voices the cutscenes. He's kind of like the narrator. Yeah. Uh, Bruce Campbell was actually in Spider-Man 1, the movie. He was the wrestling announcer. Oh, very cool. That's cool. I didn't know that. Yeah, he's kind of like a Sam Raimi. Uh, he just pops up in all the Sam Raimi films. He's in the Evil Dead film. He plays Ash Williams. If you're a horror fan, you might know that. Oh. But yeah, uh, it's a really cool just Spider-Man game. It's an action beat-em-up, uh, just like the Spider-Man games we talked about on SNES, um, but this is more of a 3D, uh, in a 3D environment. The levels are mostly inside, but sometimes it has you swinging outside in the city, which is where the game shines, I think. Yeah, the, the inside levels are kind of, um, they're, they're, you know, they're like a standard, like any game, basically. They're almost, actually almost reminds me of Resident Evil, uh, watching watching some of these inside levels. Kind of. It's very button mashy. You only have, like, I think four buttons to use to fight. So yeah. all in all, there's only, I believe, like 20 combinations of moves that you can do. So it's, which is not bad, but yeah. it does get very repetitive since you're pretty much only mashing A and Y to <laughs> fight and kick. Um, but yeah, uh, the, what, what I thought was weird about this game right off the bat was Spider-Man, you swing above the buildings. Yeah, I don't know if you. Yeah, I think that was due to their technological limitations of actually like getting the swinging right. Because like I'd argue Spider-Man is probably the hardest superhero to develop for. Mm-hmm. You know, like Batman yeah. is is relatively easy. You can give him gadgets, and then you can kind of yeah. like go ham on that. Um, mm-hmm. Superman games. Uh, I don't like Superman games, but uh, no, in, no one in, does. <laughs> <laughs> but in theory, that's an easy one too. X Men ones are are pretty fun as well. You can you can kind of go whatever way you want with X Men, which which helps the developer. But Spider Man mm-hmm. is a very iconic you know character and has a very iconic way of being played. Um, mm-hmm. And especially Spider Man has to have this humor behind it too. It can't be taken too seriously. So it's a really hard thing to do to create a good Spider-Man game. Like it, it was very good. It wasn't as good as the the Spider-Man game on PS1, but it, it's a great movie adaptation, like I said. And I when I saw Spider-Man on GameCube, I remember thinking, I didn't have a GameCube yet. And I just thought, this is what I want a GameCube now, like, just to play <laughs> Spider-Man games. And I eventually did get a GameCube with Spider-Man 2, which I'll mention in, in a few yeah. minutes. But no, I, I saw a movie, or sorry, I saw a video on YouTube of a development of the Spider-Man games back on the GameCube. And... They mentioned how they had to try and make Spider-Man swing in a 3D environment since they'd never really done anything like no. this before. He's actually really flying. He's not actually swinging. It's not as dynamic as something like Spider-Man 2 or Ultimate Spider-Man. So this one's a little bit more of just a, we need him to move from building to building. Uh, so that's my main 
problem with the game is the the combat and then the swinging was just an issue i mean it, it's not like what spider-man is supposed to be you also can't touch the ground in the city which again wasn't a huge problem at the time since we had nothing to compare it to yet this was the same as all the spider-man games the 3d spider-man games before that uh, spider-man could never touch the ground he could only just touch the buildings yeah it made sense in spider-man on ps1 because they worked it into the plot there was like a poisonous fog that uh was <laughs> in the streets <laughs> so it's it was i mean they had limitations yeah. and they worked with it right yeah. so in this game though it doesn't make any sense like you look down you can see cars but you can't touch the ground so it doesn't have the open world feel that spider-man 2 had no it, it, it's definitely like spider-man 2's little brother it, it, it would be very very tough to play this game today and have a lot of fun with it. Uh, and then there's a reason why all these titles are t- like $10. And, and yeah. like I, I, I think I've seen Spider-Man 1 at every single game store I've ever been to. That yeah, title is always there. Because every time I look, I'd be like, oh, Spider-Man 1? No. Uh, or sorry, I, I thought it was Spider-Man 2. And I was like, oh, no, Spider-Man 1. <laughs> yeah. it's Again, it's, it's sold so many. And, uh, yeah. and better Spider-Man games came out after it. So, yeah, it got traded in. And, yeah, usually you can find it for 8 to $15. But, I'm, I mean, $10 was about the average. So Yeah. But, yeah, I, I do have some praises for the game, though, if, if anybody's interested in picking it up. Uh, first of all, the cutscenes are fantastic. Like, they look really good. For that time, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, but, like, even now, like, I was looking at it, and it's it's smooth, it's shiny. Yeah. It looks like it's 60 FPS. So uh, coming out, like, in the early 2000s, I hadn't really seen cutscenes on a console yet since I had an N64, and I, I was blown away by the animation in those. Yeah, that's fair. No, it, they're, like, I, I, you know, to be honest, I never played Spider-Man 1, so all I okay. have to look at is, you know, from the lens of someone in 2020 watching gameplay of it, and obviously I'm going to be very biased because I know what has come after <laughs> right and i and i know the potential so i i'm definitely not one to to criticize this game you know for when it came out but uh i the only thing i can say is just the fact that i i wouldn't play this game today because there's so many other good ones yeah i would have to say the same thing it is a fun game to play and it was fun at the time when that was all you had on the gamecube but yeah better games have come out since then you're totally right i mean i did go back to it this week just to see how well it holds up and I got to say the city graphics, like the way the environments look when you're swinging around, have aged the best of yeah. the three games we're covering today. It looks really good. I I, I want to mention that as well, uh, just like especially when you're in the air. It is weird. Like it's a weird animation when you're in the air for sure. That's something that I don't mm-hmm. think I'd, I'd ever be able to get used to. But the, the, the graphics around him, like the skyline, it, it looks really nice. And that's mm-hmm. probably because you can't interact with it as much. Right. And so, you know, the artists on the game could actually just make it look really nice without having the devs uh, uh, to to program it and code anything where, where things would have to be interacted with. Right. It, it was easier. Yeah, it's not an open world Spider-Man game yet, but we didn't have an open world Spider-Man game yet. So, yep, yep. again, nothing to compare it to so that we were totally fine with that. And just, just yeah, just I, I popped it in just to see how it was. And, yeah, swinging around did not feel natural and then when you go into smaller quarters it was like oh this is so bad because you automatically stick to walls when you're close to one you can't control that yeah that's that's the one thing i want to bring up thanks for mentioning that yeah yeah that's that's a really weird like that's just a mechanic that yeah i'm sure at the time felt okay but like now that would Mm -hmm. just feel so wrong and i would never be able to get used to that no, it was like an auto stick mode, which you couldn't turn off. Yeah, and the new Spider-Man games, you can control that. You press a button to stick to a wall, which makes a lot more sense. Yeah. 
But the bosses in this game, just real quick to talk about those, there's obviously a ton of characters that don't appear in the movie. Um, obviously, you fight bosses such as the Mugger, who kills Uncle Ben in Spider-Man 1. Spoiler alert. There's also the Green Goblin from the movie, who you fight multiple times, as well as the final boss scene. Uh, but the game also includes Scorpion, Vulture, and Shocker, which are not in Spider-Man 1, the movie. Shocker is such a meme. Why is Shocker in every Spider-Man game? I think that's like... like it's like a weird thing. I don't understand why um, Shocker is at, like maybe it's like a, a tutorial almost. He wasn't the tutorial. Uh, the mugger was in this game. Oh, true. Yeah, then. yeah he was later on. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, because I remember him from Ultimate Spider-Man as the tutorial. And he's in Spider-Man 2 as well. We'll get to that in a second. <laughs> he's in all of them. Like he's uh, and he's in Spider-Man: Homecoming. Briefly, they they give they give Shocker a very small character role. Um, not as big as he is in the comics, obviously, but. Uh, someone out there must love Shocker because someone does. Yeah, no, <laughs> someone out there definitely loves Shocker because he's in all three of these Spider-Man games and then he's in a few of the movies. So I don't know. I don't get it. He's he's interesting, but I don't think he needs to be <laughs> Herman. He's in the new he's in Insomniac uh, Spider-Man as well. Yep. Yeah. yeah, he's in every Spider-Man game. Yeah, I just realized that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> even when he's not in the movie, he's in the games. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, should we read the back of the case for Spider-Man one before we move on? I think it's time. OK, it's time. It's time to read what's on the back of the case. There's things written on the back of the case. Let's read them. And now we're reading the back of the case. Spider-Man, go beyond the movie. Bitten by a genetically engineered spider, high school student Peter Parker is suddenly empowered with supernatural abilities, including spider sense, web slinging, and wall crawling. Assume the role of Parker as he adapts to his new powers and becomes Spider-Man. But beware, the city's villains won't be pleased to see a new hero on the scene. Better beware. Better beware indeed. Okay, the back of the case and the front of the case in this game is very good. Like the case artwork on uh, Spider-Man yeah. games were, were good in this era. And the, the screenshots also look clean. They look... They look enticing to a kid like me who loves Spider-Man movies. So all in all, like the marketing and everything behind these games were really good. Oh yeah, yeah. No, it's uh, but I'd say all all three boxes look nice. Yep, no complaints there. Uh, it's pretty hard to make Spider-Man look bad though. Like, uh, you can do it. The the, the ones that came out <laughs> in like the 2010s yeah. or like the early uh, like after Ultimate Spider-Man don't have the best box arts, or at least some of them. That's, that's true. But anyway, let's move on to Spider-Man 2, which was released on June 28, 2004, developed by Treyarch, published by Activision. This game appeared on the PlayStation 2, Xbox, Game Boy Advance, DS, PC, Mac, PSP, and the N-Gage, Mike. Yes! Yes, Finally. it's on the N-Gage. It looks terrible. I looked it up. <laughs> uh, <laughs> oh my god, it looks bad. Uh, this game gets a 4 out of 5 stars once again, priced around $20. Uh, across all platforms, this game grossed $110 million in the U.S. alone. Wow. So... Not too shabby. And, of course, we have the returning voice actors, Tobey Maguire. Kirsten Dunst is in this one. She wasn't in the first one. And Alfred Molina. Mm -hmm, as Doc Ock. That's right. Fantastic movie, Spider-Man 2. One of the biggest movies of the 2000s, I would say. Yeah, absolutely. Now, I've played this game to death. This is the game that, uh, ladies and gentlemen, may know. I uh, I picked this game, or sorry, I was given this game with my GameCube when I received my GameCube for my 11th birthday and absolutely adored this game. I played it uh, on a PS2 kiosk at EB Games near my house. Whenever my mom would go grocery shopping <laughs> or get her hair cut or look for shoes, I would always go into the EB Games to, uh, <laughs> to, to play this game. And it got to the point where I was just playing it so much at this store. I knew, like, all the levels <laughs> yeah. or, like, how to fight. I was learning it on PS2. Yeah. And then uh, my dad – this is a weird story. My dad got invited to his boss's house, I suppose it was, for dinner. And we found out that the, his boss had an Xbox. I guess he was a gamer. 
But uh, he told my dad ahead of time, he said, hey, you know, if your son wants to bring any Xbox games, he can he can bring one and, and play it just because he's going to be bored because <laughs> it's like a, a dinner party for adults. Yeah. So I booked it to Blockbuster and I found Spider-Man 2 on Xbox. Oh and I brought God. that to their, I, yeah, I brought that to their place that night. And I played it for probably like three hours, broke for dinner, <laughs> went back, played it more. Like I just kept playing. I was addicted with Spider to Spider-Man 2. That's hilarious. <laughs> yeah. And then a few months later, my parents were like, Jesus, we got to get this kid a game console with this game or something. Um, so that's how I ended up with Spider-Man 2. And I still have the same copy I'm holding here in my hands. And Amazing. Yeah. Amazing Spider-Man. Uh, well, I'm here to crush Neil's dreams. Okay, go for it, Mike. <laughs> this is my hot take, and I, I've had this take with other people before, and I have this take with Neil a, a lot, but I don't think Spider-Man 2 is a very good game. I'm Ooh, sorry. You're wrong. I think it's I think it's very overrated. Um, mm-hmm. I think a lot of people remember it with rose-colored glasses, you know, similar to GoldenEye. Not not as bad. It's not that, it's not that bad. Because, yeah, GoldenEye is almost unplayable today. Spider-Man 2 is definitely playable. But mm-hmm. people people consider this like uh, I always see this on lists of the best Spider-Man game, the best open world game. Uh, like there's it, it always comes up as the greatest of, of of whatever. And and I just I just gotta I gotta be devil's advocate here. I just can't agree. I think this game suffers from a lot of there's a lot of you know downside in this game. It's obviously very fun, and for its time, I'm sure it's very groundbreaking. But mm-hmm. um, I got to say, I, I, I don't love this game. Okay. Well, you're not crushing my dreams yet, Mike. But I, So I'm going to defend the, <laughs> yeah. the Spider-Man 2 game on my side. So just so you know, listeners know, there's the very different versions of this game. So there's the PlayStation 2, Xbox, and GameCube version, which is the open world 3D Spider-Man game that everyone should play. Mike, you're wrong. Then there's the Game Boy Advance and the DS version, which and the Engage version, which are, which are 2D platformers. They're not the same game. They're they're just button mashing beat 'em ups like the SNES era. Then there's the PSP version, which is a 3D game, but it's more like Spider-Man One. So the swing style is the same. Even the game feels like Spider-Man One with Doc Ock in it. I don't know what was going on there. Different developer as well. So, but yeah, you have to pick up the PS2, Xbox, or GameCube game if you want the Spider-Man Two experience. Yes, it is an open world game. I don't think it's the best open world game out there. I think Breath of the Wild is my favorite open world game out there. But at the time, this was the first open world game I ever had. And you got to play as Spider-Man yep. from the greatest movie of the mid-2000s. That's a bit of an over-exaggeration, but you get what I'm coming oh, from. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I, I mean, definitely, like, as as a kid playing this game in 2004, it's beyond anything you could have ever hoped for. Like, for sure. I, 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 I don't doubt that for a second. Uh, mm-hmm. I just think that there's a lot of... I've, there's a lot of downside to mm-hmm. this game that that people oh, don't yeah. often bring up, um, and people kind of just say it's like it's great. There's nothing wrong with it, and then I'm like, okay, well, like play it today, and and you'll see, you know, some of the things. So one thing uh, that mm-hmm. I noticed as soon as I picked this, I picked this game up about a year and a half ago. Um, okay. Friend of the show, Harrison's brother, was over, uh, and we were playing it because uh, he wanted to see how it held up as well, and he was quite disappointed. <laughs> while playing it um one thing is the voice acting uh toby yeah. mcguire definitely mails in this performance it, it's, oh it's terrible it's terrible it's so bad everyone's is really bad like it, it it feels like they didn't i don't I don't know what happened but they didn't put enough money into this or they just got the actors to quickly come in and do a take 
You it know. was pretty quick. I think it was like three days and eight hours each shift. Like it wasn't much. Yeah. Like Tobey Maguire, I think, did a total of 24 hours of voice acting for this game. Um, I'll talk a little bit more about the development in a second. But yeah, I know what you're saying. The, the voice acting in this game is not great. There's no. there's a lot wrong with this game. I, I made a list, if you want, from a Spider-Man 2 Perfect. supporter. I can tell you. <laughs> sure. So the side missions are very repetitive. Yes. That's one of my biggest gripes is that it's yeah. super repetitive. Yeah, you have like maybe four different side missions. There's a guy about to fall off a building. There's a kid that needs his balloon. There's a car chase. And then there's someone who's injured. And then there's like gang fights. And that's about it. Yeah. And and, and there's nothing wrong with repetitive gaming. Um, no. Like Insomniac Spider-Man itself, those side missions are super repetitive. Uh, mm-hmm. Especially when you're collecting. Uh, what's that? What's the one with Harry that you have to like, you have to like, it's all these environmental stuff. Yeah, yeah. And somehow, like, the city is, like, almost, like, on the verge of destruction <laughs> every time you go into one of those. Why are, why are the carbon monoxide levels so high in Manhattan? <laughs> <laughs> and so, like, that's a little ridiculous. And um, It's comic booky. It's meant to be. Yeah, but see, I, that's, what, that's what I think. I think they do a good job of the campiness in that. Mm-hmm. I, I found Spider-Man 2 was was like doing these missions for the mission's sake and nothing else it didn't feel like it, anything had a tie to the story had, had me tying back to the movie it, it didn't feel like i was there was a reason for doing this and there was not the, the same kind of humor wasn't there either no the writing the script was way better in ultimate spider-man which we're going to get to and why that is mm-hmm. but yeah no you're totally right that the voice acting is bad and they didn't have much to work with in it at all no no they really didn't yeah. you know if you're looking for an open world spider-man game in, in 2020 i would definitely highly more recommend Spider-Man on PS4. It's definitely a better experience than Spider-Man 2. But at the time, this was this was the best that we had, and and you could touch the ground in Spider-Man 2, which yep. was a huge improvement. Yeah, you could. The swinging was vastly improved over Spider-Man, and I think this is up until Spider-Man on PS4. I think this is the best web slinging in any Spider-Man game. Just the way that they had it work with the buildings and mm-hmm. and everything, it just felt more natural, and there's more speed, and just okay. So the the fun part, yes, it's repetitive the missions, but it it wasn't so much. It's kind of like the Breath of the Wild argument that there's nothing to do. The, the, the yeah. fun of the game wasn't necessarily fighting all the bad guys and, and, and catching all the muggers. It was just crawling up buildings, crawling up the tallest skyscraper you could find and just jumping off. Yeah, I had a lot of fun doing that for sure. Yeah. Yes, that was that was the fun part of the game. It wasn't. It was just swinging around. Like It was just fun to, you know, you're a kid, you had a long day at school. I'm just going to swing around to Spider-Man and maybe do a few side missions and fight Dr. Octavius and, and Mysterio's in this game as well, who I love Mysterio. I love Mysterio. Mysterio's mm, great. Yeah. Mysterio's great. Rhino's in it. Uh, Shocker's back, of course. Got to be in there. <laughs> Got to have him. But I did want to talk a little bit about the development of Spider-Man 2, just because it did have a, an interesting development cycle, if you yeah. don't mind. I highly recommend an article on usgamer.net. It's an article called uh, The Oral History of Treyarch's Spider-Man 2, one of the best superhero games ever. How do you think about that title, Mike? Uh, I mean, see, that's, I mean, uh, that's, that's <laughs> my problem. That's okay. It's... Okay, we can we can talk about that another day. But uh, Spider-Man Two was heavily inspired by GTA Three, which mm-hmm. is clear. It is it is a GTA clone, which oh, yeah, it, sure. it's up it's up it's up there with like the Simpsons hit and run in terms of just cloning GTA and doing a decent job at it. Uh, the swinging mechanic, which I mentioned is part of the game that I absolutely adore, was inspired by a 1996 PC game called Rocket Jockey, mm. which is a game where you ride around like a little rocket ship, kind of like pod racing. Uh, but like small, but not like it was more like a battle arena uh, yeah. with a grapple hook. So the grapple hook uh, mechanic was what they used for the Spider-Man Two idea, where the hook actually hooks on to a single point, and you swing along that. Right. So th- they did develop a prototype for uh, Spider-Man Two, where the developers needed to actually manually insert every point in the game where your web could stick to. 
Oh my to God. Make it as, to make it as realistic as possible. Now that was the prototype, so they didn't have to develop the whole city yet. The, the final cut of the game, they found a way around that. They used what's called ray casting, which, is, which was the solution to automatically map infinite points of attachment for your web to connect to in the city. So it made it a little bit easier to develop for. But they did have that idea in mind where the web should stick to something and you're, you're like a fulcrum around that point. Mm-hmm. So, and you also mentioned how the game uh, feels disjointed from the movie and the story is kind of weird. And they, like everything feels shoehorned into the movie, yeah. which you're totally right. It was uh, Treyarch didn't have access to the script until way later in development. Oh, so, that makes sense. Yeah, so they had like this game figured out with Rhino, Shocker, Black Hat, Mysterio, and Doc Ock. And then at the last minute, they had the script and they just figured, okay, we have to put these cutscenes into certain points in the game. That's why it just kind of feels like the game is throwing you back into Spider-Man 2, the movie, and then pulling you out to kind of show you a little bit of what the comics have. Yeah, that that is exactly what it feels like. Yeah, and there was tons of stuff that the uh, the devs had to, uh, to exclude from the game. There were enemies that never made it into the game. The city was also supposed to be bigger, but... Obviously, you know, the 2002, there were limitations and, yep. and there have been games that come out came out since then, which are way bigger. But yeah, uh, most of those assets that they had to delete were later on carried on to Spider-Man 3, the game, which is not on GameCube, but uh, that game is not good. Yeah. Uh, That's kind of interesting I, that, that, that they kept a lot of those assets, though, for Spider-Man mm-hmm. 3. Yeah, no, it's I mean, it makes sense, right? It's the same developers, so they, they might yeah. as well. Um, but yeah, there's a quote here from Tomo Moriwaki, uh, creator creative director at Treyarch. He said, uh, we had to throw away what might have been hundreds of man months worth of this colossal underground recreation of maybe almost like a third of the scope of the Overland City. So they had to they had to cut almost two thirds wow. or one third, sorry, of the game. Oh, sorry. And in, in this quote, they did mention the characters that they cut were Craven and Scorpion. Okay. Uh, yeah. That doesn't matter to me. <laughs> no, I mean, I mean, Scorpion's in Spider-Man won the game and Craven yeah. shows up in later games as well. So... And uh, just a quick fun fact before we move on to our next game here. A quote from James Zachary, who is the chief animator at Treyarch. Uh, He said, Doc Ock was fun. We actually tried to have each of his four tentacles have its own personality, which we had high hopes for. I don't know if it read that much when you were playing the game, but that may have added a little subliminal messaging. We had one that was more of a motherly figure and one that was more of an aggressor. Oh, I did not what? notice that playing the game. <laughs> you know what? I, I, I had heard of that, but I didn't mm-hmm. think it got in the game. I, I, I heard that each tentacle was supposed to be like this completely different person. Yeah, they tried to give each one its own personality. Oh, so that's really cool. They did that. Yeah, um, th- that's pretty neat. Yeah. I, I do want to give this some praise to this game because okay. I don't want to, you know. I think that you know it's a good game. It's just not the game that everyone's hyping it up to be. Is yeah, what your problem exactly. Is. It's, yeah. Because uh, there are some things like obviously it um, it's by far the best movie tie-in maybe ever to, to exist, but but Up that's there with Goldeneye. Yeah, yeah, that's because they don't really go with the movie, so it's right. n- it's not it's not a contest, I guess, in that sense. Um, mm-hmm. Also, one thing that people always talk about, and I'm sure you know, is the windows of the buildings. Um, one for the fact that you can go into a lot of the windows to do side missions. And mm-hmm. also that a lot of the windows have um, like different artistry on it. Like so, like some of them have actually people in the windows. Uh, not all the windows are just a static blob, which I yeah. thought was really uh, innovative and maybe the first time you've ever seen this in a game. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it made the world feel more lived in, more like a living, breathing New York City. Even though when you land in the streets, there's not nearly <laughs> as many cars and people, but the game couldn't process that level of, no, no. of realism. But yeah, no, it was, it was really good. And then there was even the Daily Bugle, which you could yep. go into and change into your civilian clothes, go talk to J. Jonah Jameson, who J.K. Simmons, who's an absolute treasure movie icon. 
Um, but yeah, it, it just added more elements of uh, Peter Parker's life, which, again, they did carry into Spider-Man 3, which I think they gave Peter his own apartment, which you could go visit finally. So, yeah, they, they were making small steps. <laughs> finally, he's moved out of his <laughs> Aunt May's Aunt house. <laughs> Jeez, she's like 99 in, in the Spider-Man 1 movies. <laughs> what, what, what was going on there? In Spider-Man, we haven't talked about the Spider-Man movies at all yet, but why were his aunt and uncle so old? <laughs> yeah, that was, a, that was a weird one. Yeah, maybe, maybe yeah. there's like, maybe they're like half-brothers or something like, um, maybe. Uh, like his, his dad uh is like 40 but like mm -hmm. or 50 but like his he had like a half brother who was 70 like maybe <laughs> i don't know what happened there it happens they keep making it may younger with all the spider-man movies now though yeah so. yeah yeah anyway i i think spider-man 2 is an absolute treasure of a gamecube game i think it is a we'll talk about it at the end of the episode but yeah. um i'm glad i'm glad that you could uh finally put your grievances with this game into into words and onto our podcast mike thank you yeah, and I'm gonna keep going once we get once we get to Ultimate Spider-Man because I really it's really difficult for me to talk about this game without talking about Ultimate Spider-Man. Okay, well let's do that. But first, let's read the back of the case for Spider-Man Two. Mm -hmm. Take New York for a spin. From random crime to global threat, the entire city is relying on you to save it. That's it. That's it. Okay, fair enough. The entire city, eh? Yikes. Yeah, that's a that's a lot of uh, that's a lot of responsibility there for, with great power, Mike. With clearly with great power comes great responsibility that's probably how the line goes yeah that's something like that i don't remember <laughs> let's move on to the last game on the list here the game that you are most eager to talk about ultimate spider-man mm -hmm. ultimate, ultimate spider-man was released on september 21st 2005 developed once again by treyarch and published once again by activision it's also on ps2 xbox game boy advance ds and pc the GameCube Anthology book gives this game a 4 out of 5 stars, so all three of these games got a 4 out of 5 stars, so they're the exact same game, Mike. This game <laughs> prices at about $20, so it's very, again, all three of these games, if you wanted to pick them up, you're looking at like 50 bucks yeah. for all of them. Yeah. Okay, so let's jump into Ultimate Spider-Man, the first game on this list that doesn't tie into any of the Sam Raimi films. Yeah, and I think that's one of the reasons that makes it one of my favorite games ever. Uh, I Whoa. love this game. Um, mm, okay. I played I played this game for hours and hours and hours as a kid, mm -hmm. doing the same thing that you did, Neil, with Spider Man Two, just climbing buildings and falling down. Yeah, I stole all my copy and I was playing it a lot uh, this week uh, in preparation. And uh, I was looking at my saves. I have some saves from '06, from '08, and I also have some saves on other memory card, another memory wow. card. Wow. Uh, and cool. in total, I have about 52 hours on this game. Jeez. Um, and 52 hours in. 2005 for me like that you know for a kid who wasn't allowed to play games uh during weekdays uh that's wow. a huge amount of time it's impressive um, i yeah i think this game is just amazing i love it so much it's so unique uh especially at the time i had played spider-man 2 before this mind you i had played it um i had a friend uh not you <laughs> but another friend who owned it and i think i played it with you probably a bit <laughs> as well but um ultimate spider-man was the first game that i owned that was a spider-man game okay you may have played it with me for the first time because i rented this game for my birthday and i suppose it was 2005 the game had just come out we mm. rented it from blockbuster and we played it that night so if you have memories of playing it after october 30th 2005 then i played it with you first there you go haha yep. <laughs> <laughs> yeah we rented it i remember we played it to death because this was yeah you're right this game was a good word to describe it is unique because it's a 3d open world spider-man game uh that's set in a cell-shaded graphics engine 
uh, it, it felt like it was more based on the comic books as opposed to the movies because it was. It was, it was yeah. also <laughs> it was written by a comic book writer named Brian Michael Bendis. Yep. So the writing in this game is fantastic. It also feels illustrated, like a, the artists were also comic book artists rather than video they, game uh, artists. There you go. Like the cutscenes were all comic book images from straight from Spider-Man Ultimate Spider-Man comics, and then the voice acting was also much stronger in this game as opposed to in the in the Spider-Man movie games. So just for one of the voice actors, Peter Parker is voiced by Sean Marquette, who also voices Mike. You know this Mac from Foster's Home for Imaginary Friends. Oh, nice. That's that's awesome. He also plays young Matt in the classic Jennifer Gardner film Thirteen Going on Thirty. <laughs> wow. So he plays young Mark Ruffalo. Yeah, fair. Yeah, yeah, that's true actually. Yeah, but uh, no, this game, I remember the marketing around this game, like the commercials on TV were so cool because this was the first 3D game where you could play as Venom. Oh, yeah. Oh, I mean, that's mm-hmm. what this game really is about is is the, yep. the fact that you can play as Venom. And it's just so good. The gameplay for this is so good. And usually, and, and honestly, like before and since, anytime you got to play as Venom, it was a mail it in kind of like performance. It, it, mm-hmm. Usually they would just, you know, kind of reskin. He was your Spider-Man. player too. Yeah, he was your player too. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. It was it for for Ultimate Spider Man. It's honestly two games in one. The the yep. Venom the Venom scenes and the Venom fighting is completely different than fighting with Spider Man. Like er, the actions are different. The the you're always fighting at night, which was always I think a cool thing. You know, Spider Man during the, the day and uh, yeah. Venom at night or in the rain. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so like us millennials, or however you want to call us, uh, <laughs> we didn't have a huge introduction to Venom yet because, like you said, Mike, he was in the games, but he was always like a player too. Yeah. But this game really introduced us to Venom as a character who is just a complete weapon. Like he's almost terrifying, like more of like a horror film villain because in this game you get to, or you have to, like eat people for energy, sometimes children, which is dark <laughs> as hell. <laughs> and you like break people's spines. Like yep. it's it's violent. Like Venom in the in the video games that I grew up with in the nineties was just he's just like this big alien Spider Man version of, you know, black suit Spider Man. Yeah. So it was just really cool to see. I wish that there were more Venom. That's one of my that's one of my problems with this game is that I wish that there were more Venom levels. Yeah. It felt like that there was like maybe four or five Spider Man levels, which were fun, but then there was like one short Venom level, which there was never really any progression like you had all of venom's powers right off the bat you could automatically eat people and you had his his uh, tentacle hands and then you finish the game with the exact same power-ups and eddie brock really you never see him much in the game no no that that, that that's fair that's definitely mm-hmm. fair um yeah. i think it's honestly just because of the technical and time allocations that they had the yeah. uh, at the time but um you, you talked about eating people so mm-hmm. this is something that i bring up every single time and people never believe me uh, with the fact that the tutorial level for Venom is you <laughs> eating a child. You are yeah. literally eating a child and you spit him out. Uh, fun fact, and this was done on purpose, the child is the annoying kid in Spider-Man 2 who always has a balloon. And he, and he has the balloon in the cutscene too yep. in the spi- in the, or in the tutorial and he has like a Spider-Man balloon and yep. just the balloon floats up after you eat him. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this, this really is, I think, like, uh, again, I don't think a lot of people know this game at all or have even heard of this game. But this is really the closest thing to, like, an M-rated Spider-Man. And there's so many instances where I'm like, oh, my God, this could, this is, like, one step away from being M-rated. Yeah, they made it definitely for an older teen audience because that's who was reading comic books. Like, they made Mary yeah. Jane kind of like a sexy high school student. And there was a lot of, like, innuendos. and Oh, my and... God, so many innuendos. <laughs> and they had Wolverine in there, too, which Wolverine, this was 
again, this was right around the time when Hugh Jackman was just starting to get big with with X-Men. So they made him more of like the comic book Wolverine where he's a lot more gruff and not so much like Hugh Jackman was, yep. who was a little bit more friendly. So Wolverine was definitely another tough guy that you could fight. And they also introduced or they brought in the Human Torch from the mm-hmm. comics because Spider-Man interacts with with the Fantastic Four in the comics, but he didn't in the movies, obviously. And then with the enemies, they introduced characters like Electro, uh, Beetle, Green Goblin, Silver Sable, Nick Fury, and S.H.I.E.L.D. And what everyone needs to remember is, again, this is 2005. This is three years before Iron Man and Marvel started making the Avengers franchise. So just so far ahead of everything that movies were doing. Like, it was just so cool. And and NPCs would call you a mutant in the game, too. Yeah, (laughs) Yeah, so it's like, you know that you're in the same uh, universe as the X-Men, which was just so cool. Gotta say the... Probably one of the best fights of all time is in this game, and mm, it's it's okay. it's uh, Venom versus Wolverine. That fight yes. comes out of nowhere. You have yep. no idea Wolverine is in this game. There's no advertising for him. Like you, mm. you, you never see like anything X Men uh, at first, and then uh, I think it's the second level that you play as Venom. You fight Wolverine in a bar, mm-hmm. and that fight is so cool. Yeah. And like you're, I remember as a kid playing that. I'm like, oh my god, this is the greatest thing ever. Like, yeah, I, that was... I'm now playing the greatest game ever. <laughs> yeah, we we got to that point uh, at my sleepover, and yeah, it was so cool. And I remember in the fight, you're fighting him in the bar, and and it's like a kind of a strength contest where it's yeah. who's going to throw who, and you're button mashing L and R. I think it was in that game, and whoever wins gets the other person gets thrown through the wall. So if you win, you throw Wolverine through the wall. But if he wins, he throws Venom through the wall, yep. which was really neat because it, it, it there was choice. It was kind of like a choice-based thing, even though it wasn't really a choice. It was just an outcome, I guess, yeah. of what, what the real-time event was, quick-time event. I, I also got to say the cutscenes, you know, you mentioning that. The cutscenes are, are amazing in this game. They're mm-hmm. so rich and, and clearly thought out. And obviously the fact that it's all like uh, pain based, you know, like comic pains. Um, right. It's it's so cool in that sense. I, I don't think I've ever seen another game do this. Like, can you think of anything else? Yeah, I mean, like the games that I mentioned on SNES were similar. They didn't have direct comic book panels, but it felt comic booky. Like this yeah. game feels like a return to form in the to the 80s and 90s Spider-Man games just with the aesthetic of it, it wasn't a movie-based game. It just felt like it was going back to fighting bosses from obscure X-Men and Marvel comics and playing as Venom again. And it also brought uh, Carnage into the game too, who we haven't even talked about yet. Yeah, yeah. Not for long, but he is in the game. Nope, he is. And I almost feel like they were probably thinking about making an Ultimate Spider-Man 2, which I would have loved. They did make a, a sequel to Ultimate Spider-Man. It was a prequel though. It's called Spider-Man Battle for New York. Um, but it's a, it's a side, no, it's not on GameCube. So you haven't heard of it. Uh, it's a side scrolling beat em up where players can control both Spider-Man and Green Goblin. Ah, well. Yeah. It was released on November 14th, 2006. Uh, it's, it's set in the ultimate Spider-Man universe prior to the events of ultimate Spider-Man, but it's, I wouldn't recommend you pick it up. It's not like ultimate Spider-Man. There's a a level where you are facing Electro as Mm -hmm. actually both Spider-Man and Venom, which is a really cool part. Uh, yep. and, and it's really, really hard. Oh, by the way, we haven't even said this yet. This game is really hard as Venom, like, mm-hmm. and, and even as Spider-Man, uh, especially like the races against the Human Torch. Yeah, there's no rubber banding, which is ridiculous at this point in gaming. And for those who don't know, rubber banding is when in races, uh, the AI will slow down or speed up depending on where you are. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's unforgiving. You know, yeah. yeah. So like sometimes like uh, you'll be like you'll be way ahead. And the AI will automatically be very close to you just because, like, that's how the plot has to go. 
um, mm-hmm. or you're way behind. The AI is going super slow, so to let you catch up, basically. But uh, Spider-Man uh, Ultimate Spider-Man does not have rubber banding, which uh, is pretty innovative at, at the time. Uh, you didn't mm-hmm. really see this in any game, um, which makes it extremely hard, though, because yes. uh, the Human Torch is who you're racing a lot of the times is almost impossible to beat. You have to mm-hmm. like be a master at web slinging. You have to be perfect at it. And this game is a little bit different. It doesn't use the same physics engine as Spider-Man 2. They completely scrapped it and brought out a new one. Yeah. It feels different than Spider-Man 2 because the buildings also feel shorter and your webs just feel tighter. So like when you swing, you feel like the corners are a lot tighter. There's less swing in the webs. Yeah, which is it's fine. It just took some getting used to for for me being just That's a Spider Man two fanatic. I remember <laughs> the hardest point in this game for me was when again I rented this from Blockbuster and I couldn't beat it in the. I I might have only had it for a few nights, but I got stuck at the uh, the Rhino boss. I couldn't figure out what uh, to do. So uh, I I had this in my notes to talk about. So the Rhino okay. boss is very famous as well in this game because there is a glitch uh, on the Rhino boss. Um, oh. He he often won't uh, fall down if you're on his back. Uh, so okay. I, I forget exactly what the glitch is, but you'll have to, if you're on his back, like you have to basically like swing to yourself or swing to him and like latch onto him. Mm-hmm. But sometimes the computer won't like register that you've latched onto him. And oh. so he'll just keep like throwing the, the, the thing over and over again. And it just gets stuck in this loop. Uh, oh, and wow. so you actually can't kill him and you have to like restart the game. Um, wow yes. restart the game although i mean like restart the like level sorry oh um, okay Jeez. or just okay. like turn your gamecube off is usually what you had to do to mm-hmm. uh, to make it but yeah it's kind of a famous glitch that uh so basically neil you were not the only one who could not figure out how to beat it because a lot of people just couldn't i don't think i i don't think i was glitching i think i just i remember i couldn't so when you're fighting rhino you have to trick him into going close to you're at a cement like a construction site you need to trick him into going into wet cement knock him over with a demolition ball right yeah and I couldn't figure out just the order of things because I was a dumb kid. <laughs> and in in most of the Spider-Man games before that, or Spider-Man 2, I think when you fought Rhino, you just had to trick him into running into a wall. <laughs> yeah. What, that wasn't this case in this one. The, the boss fights were a lot smarter. And the combat was also a lot smarter in this game too. There was a lot more dodging and timing your attacks way more than in Spider-Man 1 and the 2. The boss fights are long. They're like very long. Like the Rhino fight goes on for a long time after you trick him into the, the cement. Like it's a whole like 20 minute thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's uh, and just yeah, like I I was saying before with Venom, uh, and Spider-Man facing Electro, one of the later mm-hmm. bosses, it's uh, again very very hard, like extremely hard to because what's happening is that Electro is basically trying to kill Spider-Man and Venom is trying to save him. Mm. Um, well, save him more like just trying to kill Electro. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but um, uh, but Electro's dialogue is he's like, I'm gonna kill this kid this is gonna be murder like he's like he's like saying like uh, i've never heard uh someone like talk about spider-man in that way in mm-hmm. any games it's like huh like i'm gonna like i'm trying gonna to hurt stop him, him. yeah, yeah he's like, oh him. i'm actually gonna kill this kid today yeah yeah wow <laughs> and they know he's a kid yeah they made spider-man feel a lot small like just smaller and more yeah. like just not weaker but he he felt like a high school student yeah oh which, yeah for sure and he talked yeah. like one too which which made yeah. it funny yeah, um, also, whiny voice. Venom's Venom's jumping, uh, holding R to jump was mm-hmm. so much fun to do. Yeah, uh, just like because the, the more you do it, the higher he goes. So you could basically jump on top of buildings with it. Yeah. And then climbing up walls was really cool because Spider Man, of course, uses his fingertips and he's very, just you know, very seamless and and 
just more graceful almost graceful thank you yeah, yeah he's more graceful when he's going up the going up the walls but venom just like tears <laughs> apart the walls destroys it. bricks are falling out of the buildings and it's just oh it's so cool the one issue or one of the issues that i had with this game i mentioned one of the things i liked about spider-man one was that uh, the draw distance was good and when you were on top of a building and you're swinging around you could see for miles and miles when you're playing Ultimate Spider-Man, you can't see very far. There's a lot of pop-in, texture pop-in, and yep. it was yep. it, it kind of takes you out of it playing the game today. In 2005, it wasn't as big of an issue because, again, that's all we had. But when you go back now, and it's just you notice it a lot more where the buildings are all just pink or blue. Yep. And then as you get closer, you see the windows, like just all of a sudden. Um, minor gripe, but when you're when you're playing a game from 2005, you have to expect things like that. I wish yeah. that... I wish that they could re. I almost wish that I think this is the one that if they could make a remake or remaster it, this would be the one to go with. Yeah, unfortunately, unfortunately, they literally can't. But I mm-hmm. wish that they they could. But uh, there's yeah. no way that that will ever happen. No. Um, uh, I do. Uh, I do want to say too. There's a there's a lot more humor in this game. Uh, yes. Really funny. Like there's a lot of great lines. Uh, one line in particular that I love, uh, which actually explains why why you can't swim in the game. Is uh, whenever you fall into the river, uh, Peter Parker will be like, "Ew, this isn't water; it's slime and sewage. Gross! Why would anyone want to swim here?" Oh, that's that's really good. Yeah, I like it when they kind of write into the script or into the story. The video game has limitations; he can't swim. Um, yeah, you can go to. It's just it's just good. Like acknowledge it. Like don't just ignore it. It's yeah. It's yeah. That's really clever. I so I think now is a good time to talk about. Uh, compare the two spider-man 2 and ultimate spider-man and really the reason why i don't love spider-man 2 Mm -hmm. and and it's really because i think ultimate spider-man does everything better honestly i think i i love this the web slinging in this game i think like you said it's tighter it's more compact you feel it feels really nice with the gamecube triggers with the lnr um and just pressing lnr over and over again to kind of get yourself going faster Mm -hmm. uh just feels just so natural it makes you feel like spider-man (laughs) y'all How did we get this far into the podcast without saying this game makes you feel like Spider-Man? <laughs> right. Uh, I think mm. the writing is better. I think the graphics are better because of the cell shading, mm. uh, especially now, really holds up. You can easily play this game today or on a Dolphin emulator with the 4K textures. Uh, oh, I'm sure that I, looks great. Oh, I, I was watching uh, footage of that, and it looks it looks like uh, cell damage on Switch, Shane, Neil. Yeah. Like, that's basically yeah. what it looks like. Okay. Yeah, uh, cell shaded games from this era just all age very well, and I'm sure on an emulator it looks fantastic with the oh, yeah. 4K resolution. But playing it like I did on a GameCube with a tube TV, it doesn't look fantastic. Right. Yeah, that's but, fair. That's totally fair. Yeah, if you're gonna uh, play this game the way it was meant to be played, it just just heads up. It's gonna be a little jarring, and again, it takes some getting used to. I think the cutscenes are so much better. Obviously, uh, the voice acting, like you already said, uh, it's it it really feels like a cohesive game that one person made. Uh, mm-hmm. They really stick to the comic book side of things uh, instead of trying to go wishy-washy between, you know, movies, uh, comics, you know, just on an own original thing. Like they, they do a really good job with with uh, with the cohesiveness in that sense. Yeah, no, you're you're totally right. It's the acting's better. The writing's better. The story's better. The graphics are different. And that's a good thing. Different is definitely a good thing. And mm-hmm. you mentioned how the physics engine in this game, you prefer it. Yeah, I still prefer the physics engine in Spider-Man Two. Yeah, that's okay. That's which okay. I mean, I'm allowed my opinion, Dan. Yes. <laughs> uh, I mean, I I guess if you're talking about the game in terms of all those things, story and 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 writing, then yes, Ultimate Spider-Man is a better game. But for me, like just to play a Spider-Man game, I think Spider-Man Two is still my choice to go back to. Yeah. One thing that's uh one 
comment that I have with all three of these games and Spider-Man games, 3D Spider-Man games in general, is that the camera is not great. No, it's it's never good. And that was the really the only gripe I had about this game um, or one of the only gripes I had about Ultimate Spider-Man when playing it again was the camera is it's it's like all these games in the early 2000s had this problem with the camera, you know, like mm -hmm. uh, Sunshine had the same problem, too, of these yeah. weird controls where it's like you have freedom, but actually not fully freedom like free to do yeah. what you want so I, I wish i wish the controls were modifiable in ultimate spider-man it would make it so much better mm -hmm. yeah just having that one joystick makes it a little bit more difficult but mm -hmm. even on playstation 2 and xbox the, the the same thing applied just the automatic camera that if you were stuck in a corner would just be really bad and quick turning when you're swinging around cities the camera just couldn't follow you the same as it does in more modern video games, like Spider-Man on PS4, it's a lot better. Uh, it's probably the best camera in any Spider-Man game, but again, that game came out in 2018, so mm -hmm. hard to compare. But yeah, across all those games, the camera is not the best. So no. so Mike, obviously you said you would recommend collectors pick up Ultimate Spider-Man on the GameCube if they're looking for one of the three? That would be my recommendation for sure, would be Ultimate Spider-Man, yeah. And uh, honestly, there's a lot of, it's it's starting to get some more love. Which is nice. I When I did research for this podcast, I found that there's quite a few videos uh, saying, you know, how much people love Ultimate or how much these people love Ultimate Spider-Man. And there's a great video that is uh, titled, a uh, it's Ultimate Spider-Man, the best Spider-Man game you have never played. And <laughs> that is a perfect summary of this game. Yeah. No, anytime I see on a thread, like on, on Reddit or on Facebook, just of anybody asking, hey, are there any, un, you know, un hidden gems on GameCube or even PS2, like just are there any games that I might not have picked up and do you have any recommendations? Um, sometimes they're asking for kids, but I don't care. I recommend it anyway. I always recommend Godzilla Destroys All Monsters for one, but I also recommend <laughs> Ultimate Spider-Man because like you said, Spider-Man 2 is on every list. I'm not going to recommend Spider-Man 2 as a hidden gem because it's not no. all that hidden. But you mentioned Ultimate Spider-Man to people and they'll either say, oh yeah, that game was cool or I, or they just don't remember it. So Most people yeah. haven't heard of it. Yeah. That's crazy. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't know. For me, I, it was a uh, any anything Spider Man, SpongeBob, or Scooby Doo in the mid two thousands, and I was all over it. But if you were I, just a little bit older and you were playing GTA or yeah. or whatever on your PlayStation two, I can totally see how you could have missed Ultimate Spider Man. I would still have to say though, Spider Man two would be my recommendation. Yep. I can't say enough good things <laughs> about fine. Ultimate Spider Man. I love the game as much as you do. Not as much, obviously, but I love the game. Just as, as a Spider-Man game, it's fantastic. It's definitely not a must-miss. You should pick up Ultimate Spider-Man. But if I had to pick one Spider-Man game that I could only play on GameCube for the rest of my life, I'd have to go with Spider-Man 2 at this point. That's fine. Yeah, yeah. It's it's, it's, it's okay to, to disagree, Neil. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I know, I know. In in Spider-Man 2, you can you can web-sling to a helicopter and hang on to it. Like, that's just the coolest know, thing. I'm pretty I sure. I don't remember if you can do that in Ultimate Spider-Man. But no, that was just. As Venom, you get to jump on a helicopter. That's about it. Oh, okay. That's neat. Yeah, but Spider-Man 2 was kind of the first inkling of like a Breath of the Wild yeah. uh, engine totally where I was right. like, yeah, like, oh, I wonder if I can swing on that helicopter and you can. And it was like, oh, my God, like just moments like that that just couldn't be replaced with something in Ultimate Spider-Man, but still a great game. Yeah, because even like like even Ultimate Spider-Man, I, I do find like the world is is less populated than than um, and less living yeah. than, than Spider-Man 2. Yes, it felt like like here's your playground. No one else is here. Everyone's taking the day off. You have fun in it. <laughs> yeah, like, where, I mean, Spider-Man it... Two felt that felt that way a bit, mm -hmm. but um, but not as much as Ultimate Spider-Man. I felt that was a little. That's a one um, one thing to criti uh, to critique the game with. 
Mm-hmm. Shall I read the back of the case then before we put this episode to bed? I think so. Okay. Be legendary. Be predatory. Be both. Swing to the rescue as Spider-Man, then blaze a path of destruction as Venom. Play both sides in the most groundbreaking Spider-Man experience ever. Explore an expanded, free-roaming environment that includes Queens, New York. That's right. You could explore Queens. That was cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's, yeah that's kind of where you're that. based out of his Queens. Mm-hmm. So we, we hardly ever touched on the movies. And, Mike, I just want to get your opinion on one thing. Uh, in our lifetime, we have seen three Spider-Man reboots now. Mm-hmm. We've seen the Tobey Maguire, the Andy Garfield, and the Tom Holland Spider-Man films. Uh, who's your favorite Peter Parker? Well, I mean, I'm biased, and so are you, because we grew yeah. up in that era. But I, I really love Tobey Maguire's Spider-Man. I just, I just think yeah. he he embodies Peter Parker. Mm-hmm. I agree. Uh, Tobey Maguire would be my pick. Uh, Spider-Man Three has its issues. I'm glad that we could avoid talking about it today. But Spider-Man Two was just so cool, and Spider-Man One, when we were kids, the Amazing Spider-Man. Great. Yeah, they're they're good. I mean, like they're kind of cheesy now if you go back to them. But see, that's but, what Spider-Man is supposed to be, and I think mm-hmm. I think uh, that's one of the reasons why Amazing Spider-Man sucks, and it's just a terrible movie. Both of those yeah. movies is yeah. that they 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 tried way too hard to be something that they're not at all. And mm-hmm. I think Spider-Man one and two, I think especially two, really nailed it with um with like how that world is portrayed and how you know how Spider-Man is actually to little segue here, but Jake Gyllenhaal, who recently mm. played uh, Mysterio in uh, Far From Home, uh, which yep. I think he did a great job. And uh, there's a great interview with him where they're asking him, like, what's it like to be part of the Marvel universe? And, you know, um, what did you think about this? Like, was there some thought put in? And he was very honest because he's actually good friends with Tobey Maguire in real life. Mm-hmm. Um, he's very honest. He was like, well, you know, I, I thought about, you know, I was, I didn't really want to get myself, you know, involved too much in, in like a, a cinematic universe because you, like it's, you never know what's going to happen and you know, you don't want to be typecast and you don't want to, you don't want to be stuck to this. You don't want to be, don't wanna be Toby Maguire. Or yeah. Yeah. Toby Maguire. Yeah. Really honestly. Yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. And so he was like, I don't know. I had some thoughts, but he's like, but then something clicked to me or for me. And it's that Spider-Man is not about Spider-Man. Spider-Man doesn't matter. It's about the villains in Spider-Man. That's what mm-hmm. like that's who makes these uh these movies these games whatever it's all yeah. about the villains more so than any other superhero I'd argue, mm-hmm. uh and so he he was like he's like yo I I get it like I I I can just be the villain I can just do my thing, and yeah. there's no ties to anything there's there's nothing that I have to specifically bring I can just be a me in that role and uh, I think that's kind of what so many other great actors have already done. Uh, you know, you have Alfred Molina as uh, Doc Ock. You have mm-hmm. um, um, Willem Dafoe, obviously, as Green Goblin, who does an amazing job. Uh, you yep. have Michael Keaton as uh, Vulture, uh, mm-hmm. another, you know, obviously great actor. So you have all these amazing actors who come into this world and bring these really colorful villains to life. And I think uh, Spider-Man is really unique in that world because uh, for a lot of other Marvel characters, the villains are kind of lame. Marvel's weird in that I don't know many of the other villains outside of Spider-Man villains. You're totally right when you said how it's all about the villains in Spider-Man. And I, I would argue that Batman is pretty close to that as well. Yeah, Batman's I'm a- thinking more in the Marvel universe, I guess. But yeah, yeah, you're right, Batman. Batman would be the, the, the Spider-Man of DC for sure in that sense. Yes, yeah, Spider-Man, you have to just nail like the suit and like the way he fights and the way he moves on screen. Just have to make that look cool, Yeah, which I think that they did with the Sam Raimi Spider-Mans and all three of them. And then again, Amazing Spider-Man, I didn't like the suit in the first one. The second one, the suit was actually pretty cool. Yeah, it just was... Uh, 
a terrible, terrible casting across the board. And, well, and uh, casting uh, was okay. It was the script that was just weird. I mean, like they had Emma Stone, they had um, Andy Garfield, and then they had um, who played Electro again in Sp- Amazing Spider-Man? Too? Oh, Jamie Fox. Jamie Fox. He mailed it in. Oh my God, he was he he did not. I don't. Th- I I think there's a lot of tension there for sure. Yeah, the but the, I mean, and then they had Sally Field as as Aunt May. Like they're all good actors. They all had a good pedigree up to that point. But then it's just the movies yeah. were just weird and slow and sad and not fun to watch. Nope. And then the suit in Homecoming and and uh, Far From Home, like it's fine. I'm not a, I'm not a huge fan of the Disney Spider Man suit. I I love the story in the movie. Like love Michael Keaton. But yeah, for me, I'm the same as you. Tobey Maguire Spider Man movies are my preferred movies to watch because they're just they're tied to our childhood for one thing. But I just think that y- you're right. They nailed. What Peter Parker's supposed to be, he's supposed to be a nerd who no one likes. They made him just a likable character in the new Spider-Man movies, like yeah. all of them. Like they made him cool. He's good at he's good at photography and everyone loves that. He's good <laughs> at science and everyone loves that. And like he's good looking and everyone loves that. He's really good at skateboarding in Amazing Spider-Man for some reason. <laughs> but yeah, I, I think you're right about that. The movies, the, the early 2000s movies are the way to go for me as well. I'd like to say one thing before we wrap up this episode. Let's just talk very briefly about the future of the Spider-Man franchise and the future the and the, the Spider-Mans that came after uh, Ultimate Spider-Man. So we have okay. Spider-Man 3 and also Friend of Our Foe, which came out the same year. Both of those games are terrible. Yep. Um, we have Web of Shadows, came out in 08, which is an okay game. Yep, good um, game. It's, yeah. Uh, Shattered Dimensions, which came out in 2010. Uh, it's a good game. I'd say that's probably the best of anything we've had before Insomniac. Is that the uh, one with Venom in it and like Wolverine? I believe so. Yes. Okay. Uh, yeah. That's also the one that inspired Into the Spider Verse. Yes. Yes. Same yeah, plot. Yeah. yeah. That that's like a cult classic. That game. Everyone who's played it loves it. Yeah. And, no. It's it's definitely a good yeah. game. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. Edge of Time, which is that's a bad game. Bad game. Bad game. Uh, Amazing Spider Man movie tie-in. All, all of them are bad. Both <laughs> uh, and so, yeah, and and then we didn't really get much after that until 2018 with Spider-Man Insomniac. Fantastic uh, game. Is what I call it. So, yeah, uh, um, amazing game is is basically is what, for me, I know a lot of people say it's like, oh, it's, it's, it's like the spiritual successor for Spider-Man 2. For me, it's the spiritual successor to Ultimate Spider-Man. Uh, oh, I think those games are really, really closely tied. Uh, even when I was playing Ultimate Spider-Man this week, I I, I busted out uh, the Insomniac game to try that out, you know, kind of side by side almost, and it, they feel really similar. Hmm. Um, and I think it's 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 a lot to do with the fact that they're both original stories. Okay. Yep. A- and they both kind of you know have this that same kind of writing. You know, obviously one's you know like Ultimate Spider-Man's way more like comic book style, but yep. but. Insomniac does feel like it's 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 coming out of a comic book. It feels very original. It does, and then it, it gives it that Sony PlayStation just emotional story, which Sony's kind of gone the way of. A lot of their first party games are just so emotionally driven, like Horizon and um, Last of Us. Last of Us Part Two, and then they added it to Spider Man by giving Peter Parker like a father figure in this one. Just such a good way to tie all the enemies together, and and the yeah. final boss fight was just that's probably my favorite spider-man game of all time one of my favorite video games of all time as well mm-hmm. i didn't i never really put the connection together though with ultimate spider-man and spider-man 4 i'll have to go back and play the game side by side just to see what your what what your thought process was because that's an interesting connection i never would have put those two together yeah just i don't know it just maybe mm. it just the time of me playing them but it just it, it did really feel like they um or that the new spider-man definitely owes something to uh, to ultimate spider-man's gameplay 
Okay. And then going forward, the future of Spider-Man games, you asked where do you see it going forward. I think we're just going to keep seeing first person or sorry, first party Spider-Man games only on Sony hardware for the foreseeable future. I don't mm-hmm. see Xbox really throwing the money at I guess they'd be throwing the money at who who would be they don't own Insomniac now since Sony owns Insomniac and they're the ones developing Spider-Man. I guess they'd have to look towards <sighs> see, this is the problem. I don't know yeah. who the hell owns Spider-Man video <laughs> games anymore, but I just want to see a Venom game. Yeah, like that. That we were get, we got the Venom movie that came out, which was exciting and weird. <laughs> but <laughs> a Venom standalone game would be fantastic. And seeing Spider-Man just appear in games is enough for me. Sometimes, like I'm good not having a mainline Spider-Man game every year. I think getting one every three years is is totally acceptable. And then seeing him in something like Ultimate Alliance is cool. Even just popping up in like Tony Hawk Pro Skater is funny. But yeah, I think I think having a mainline other Marvel franchise would be great. Like throwing him in a, a Deadpool game or a Wolverine game or or just yeah. anything X Men or Fantastic Four would just be a good good enough. Like I think that's good just to see him as a cameo. Let let's let let's let other superheroes have a little bit of uh, spotlight for a change. Okay. Yeah, I I I'd, I'd agree. Yeah, I'd like yeah. to see. I mean, I'm 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 gonna be definitely picking up Miles Morales, and I'll I'll let the the, the listeners know how I feel about it. Okay. I, I I'm sure it's more of a DLC than an actual full fledged you know undertaking, um, yeah. especially to to put it out for PS5 in, in a short window. But um, yeah, I, I just I, I hope that we get some more unique Spider-Man games, and that we don't go through another period of just kind of having the same game come out every couple of years. I don't think we will. We're we're in a, an era now where there's much more care put into video games in general. Um, yeah. Like it's not, it hasn't been just thrown out to a developer and they have to make a game every year, otherwise they lose the licensing rights. Yeah. Like Sony's not in any, other than financially, they're not in any direct <laughs> pressure to make the game, otherwise they're going to lose, you know, they're going to lose Spider-Man because they didn't make a game in 2020. Like that's yeah. not going to happen again. So yeah. luckily we're out of that era now of making bad games just for the sake of keeping a license. So thankfully, I think we're protected. I'd, I'd, I'd just like to see there be more just the opportunity to play these games again. Like, I mean, I know that I'm, I, I always flip back and forth. Like, I don't want remakes. I don't want remasters. But I would like these games to be available on a storefront. They don't have to be remastered. Like, I just think that people should have the ability to play one of these 38 games on their PlayStation 4 or PlayStation 5 or their Xbox, whatever. Well, some of them you can. It's just the Activision ones that you can't. Which is most of them. Yeah, fair. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah but Which is yeah. most of them. So Which, it, I mean, the Activision, that I'm, I, you know, it's sort of burst your bubble, but that's not happening probably ever. I know, but it's, it's a sad thing with just games in general that just because of who developed a game like they may not be available anymore like it's just money 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 mm-hmm, totally money, true money. <laughs> on that note mike did you want to let the listeners know what they can expect on our next episode of the gamecube was cool podcast oh yes i can neil because next episode is one of the greatest games of all time okay it is 007 nightfire <sighs> yeah cool can't We're wait there. for that oh we made it this was why we made this podcast <laughs> this is why we made this podcast for this episode alone, and it's also GameCube's nineteenth birthday next week. Ayo, mailbag, <laughs> mailbag! <laughs> Happy birthday to the GameCube next next week, and it's also Nightfire's eighteenth birthday. So Nightfire can go and get some lottery tickets, which will be mm-hmm. awesome. <laughs> yep, that's cool. It can finally make some money. All right, we will be having uh, quite a few guests on for the Double Seven Nightfire episode to talk about their memories as well as our collective memories of playing this game uh, as kids. Uh, I've been playing this game nonstop since 2003. Yep, so same here. And, and so have you. So so I think this might be one of our longest episodes to date. Uh, I'm I'm just so excited to talk about every every little piece of this game and, and really 
why it is the best 007 game. Why it's the best 007 game and why it's one of the best shooters of all time. Mm -hmm. When we were in high school, that was when Call of Duty was starting to get huge with games like World at War and Black Ops. I stayed away from most of the Call of Duty games. I played a little bit of them on PC. I just kept playing Nightfire in high school. You and I, would <laughs> you'd come over. Mike, this is how we basically, one of the reasons why we became friends, one of the main things we did when we got together was we would, you know, play music or we would play Mario Party, but then we would late at night play just 007 Nightfire over and over and over again just on all the all the different variations of the multiplayer, and I'm so excited to talk about it next week with you. It's going to be a lot of fun. It's going to be a lot of fun. I can't wait. Yeah. But until then, ladies and gentlemen, this was episode 26 of the GameCube is Cool podcast. We have new episodes every Thursday on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and YouTube. We're on all the other podcast services. Rate us reviews, positive or negative. We will read them on the podcast. Follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at the GameCube Pod. Share us with your friends, family, and pets. Tell your dog Neil says hi. We are the number one GameCube <laughs> podcast on the internet. Thank you so much for your support, and we will see you next week. Take care. Bye. Bye. Over 600 games you've never heard of. GameCube. The product of what happens when you think inside the box. Game.